Hey everybody, welcome to Thumbnail, a visual arts podcast. I'm Joe Roshert, illustrator, animator, and adjunct professor. And I'm Louis Rosignol, visual artist. And today we're going to be talking about art style, something that most artists either have one or they're trying to figure out how to develop one, or maybe they're in the middle of developing one. It's something that when you're in art school, and not just in art school, if you're not going to art school and you're trying to find a way to make your art your career or a hobby that you want to make a little extra money, Everyone always wonders, how do I develop my own unique voice or my own style? What are the steps to take? And people sometimes get stuck on style, too, where they'll use that as a crutch or an excuse. So I think we'll talk a little bit about all these things. But it's like one of those things that, you know, I asked a bunch when I was in school about it. And people have a hard time talking about it because it's not one of those things that's just an easy well, this is what you do. You do this step and then this step. It's not easy like that. It's something that it's got a little bit of nuance to it. So I thought it would be a good conversation we could have. I've noticed like a lot. You can let me know if you've noticed this too, but it seems like there's a lot of people on social media that are posting like time-lapse videos and they actually don't have much of an art style. They're very technically skilled. Yeah. So they're doing like these really great portraits of celebrities. They basically are like as close to the photograph as you can get with a drawing yeah and they get a lot of likes and comments and whenever you see someone that can draw something that realistic it's incredible and you can see they're skilled but there's not much style in their work i agree realism i feel isn't a style the reason it isn't is because if two people that were both realism illustrators or whatever if they had the same reference photo their art is going to look pretty much identical yeah they're going to be very close right whereas if two people that have very stylized ways of doing their art use the same reference photo the two pieces of art could be actually pretty different right and i'm not knocking those people because you can make a living having no style and just being very technically skilled that you can do like pet portraits for people or you know there's lots of things you can do with that but you have to understand the flip side is not being able to be recognized as you right as an individual artist because you're not showing your own style you're not showing your own hand your own voice do you feel like the general public appreciates those artists more but then Other artists usually appreciate artists that have a very stylized way of working. I think it's easier for the general public to understand if a realistic artist is good or not, or if an artist is good or not, if it's based on solely realism and technique, and then they're impressed. So they think being impressed means good art, and it can in some cases, but a lot of times the general public isn't looking deeper than surface level. And so I think that that does tend to be the case a lot of times. It's very similar to cartoons or a joke story where if you have a really good joke or a really good story it sometimes doesn't matter how good the drawing is that goes with it you could have stick figures and really nail that joke and the general public and anybody will love that joke will love that comic strip let's say and boom you hit a home run yeah so it's a similar scenario with realism where it's easy to identify if a realistic piece is good or not because you know what that thing looks like. And you can tell that they do have technical abilities. But when I think of art, I think of creativity. And those type of artists, in my mind, they're not that creative. They're very technically skilled, but they're not very creative. Yeah. And so we're going to talk more about having a distinct style and trying to be creative in this episode, right? Yeah. But style is like what makes a piece. Like when you look at a Picasso, you know it's a Picasso. 
Picasso because he has a very distinct style. And so most artists that you've heard of are like that, where you can just look at their work and you know it's their work. Right. And that's the goal for most illustrators or artists. You want to get to the point where people can look at your work and they just know that it's yours yeah. without having to even see the name. Right. Whenever I think of style, I think like, for instance, like movies, most movies, you could watch it. And if you didn't know who directed it, you wouldn't be able to tell just by watching. But there are some, if you watched a Wes Anderson movie, mm-hmm. but you didn't know he was the director, you would probably be able to figure it out. Or be like, oh, that kind of felt like this other movie I watched once. Right. He has a style in movies. And that's actually more rare in movies because most movies you watch and you just wouldn't know. Yeah. That there are people like Quentin Tarantino or Wes Anderson that has such a unique way of making movies that... I like to think of it like with art, the more distinct your style is, the more likely it is that people will be able to pick your work out. Same kind of note, or I have a note kind of referencing styles referring to companies. Like you could tell a Disney movie is a Disney movie. They have a certain style. You could tell animes in the style of anime, or you could tell Hanna-Barbera. They all have like that style, but hundreds and hundreds of people are working on this stuff. And so sometimes I like to think the realism artist who practices and practices and practices how to do something realistically a lot of times has the chops to mimic styles right and sometimes that's where they shine that's where they shine to make other people's styles or other people's visions come to life and add to the pot and that's a crucial person to have on a team that's such a good point and so it does pay off it can pay off if that's what your goals are because sometimes people are just better at being that person and some people are better at being the thinker the concept artist or the the person that's thinking more outside the box to make that identifiable style companies like disney don't want to hire artists with very distinct styles they want to hire an artist that can make art in their style that they already have and so if you are an artist that doesn't have your own style it doesn't mean anything you can still get work for companies you're going to be creating it in their style and so the thing about that is you're probably not going to stand out much because how many artists do you know that work for disney probably not that many just because they all make art in such similar styles right right? depends what you're looking for if you just want a steady job in the art field and you want to work for a company like pixar or disney or something like that that's great and those artists are always in demand if you're good at mimicking like you're talking about if you're a realistic painter or artist you know you can get jobs it's not like it's super easy to go and just apply at disney and get a job but if you're talented enough they'll hire you i did look up a few different things online and i found a really cool article that it actually broke it down into some steps on how you can develop a style. And the article admitted these are pretty loose steps because to actually come up with very specific steps that if you follow exactly, you're going to come up with a style. It's not going to work for everyone. Yeah. But I think these steps are pretty good. I I didn't know if you wanted to go through them and talk about it. Yeah, I'd love to. Do you know what the titled article was called or who wrote these steps? It's called How to Develop Your Unique Artistic Style by Christine Nishiyama. So you could Google how to develop an art style and it will come up. I think I saw it on one of the first few pages. But we'll go through it anyway and we'll talk about it because she has five steps that most artists kind of go through and doesn't have to be in this exact order. But I think if you go through these five steps you probably will end up with a style. And the first one is just honing your interest. Yeah, let's do a quick list and then we'll go one at a time. Just listed the five. It's it's honing your, your interest, then honing your craft, then honing your taste, honing your voice, and then kind of putting that all together and honing in on a style. So basically you're figuring out your interest, your craft, 
which your taste is, your voice, and putting that together into a style. And we'll go into more detail about what those mean, but those are the steps. I feel like a lot of those steps are the same step. It's all interest, basically. Yes, that's what they sound like, and that's kind of what I thought too until I read what she meant by each one. When you know what she means by each one, they are a little bit different. So honing an interest, what she means by that is what you're interested in as far as, are you more interested in drawing? Are you more interested in making movies? Right. At this point, you haven't even decided what type of art you're going to make. Your medium, your category. Right. It's almost like defining your niche. What are you the most interested in? Because most artists, I know you like to do sculpting. You like to do animation. Yeah. You like to do graphic design, illustration, yeah. right? And so most artists have multiple interests. But if you had to pick one of those, what would you pick to be like your main interest? Illustration, I think, crosses over the most. Yeah, that's how I feel too. Then I think I'd define interest a little further, but maybe that's one of the other categories where I would think like you go. No, you're probably right. It probably does lie in one of the other categories because when I think of interest, I think now when you're interested in drawing, but what are you interested in drawing? Right. But that does fall into more the third and fourth step okay so at this step all you're really doing is figuring out what it is you want to do and that takes experimenting you're experimenting with clay and you're experimenting with painting and figuring out what it is you like and you're still doing this at art school by the way and you have to also realize that you're going to really suck at something before you could be good at something right and so sometimes you got to push through the ugly to get to the diamonds i knew for instance that i sucked at sculpting and three-dimensional art and my skill level with drawing and painting was much better and so I knew that going in that direction wasn't a good direction even though I probably could have worked past it I was just so much further ahead in the two-dimensional art category that it seemed like such a waste of my time to pursue that path and also when I was in school I was in my 30s if you're 18 years old in art school maybe you'd stink at something but you just love it so then it is worth spending some time and honing that it depends on where you are yeah the first time I tried to throw pottery I knew right away that this isn't something that I'm catching on to easily like everything else I've tried or enjoy doing. Yeah. So I quickly <laughs> dropped ceramics because of that. Same yeah. thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. You got to know your strengths and weaknesses. And yeah, of course, if you practice anything, you can get better. But how long is it going to take you before you get better? Do you have that kind of time? Do you want to go from bad to good or good to great right. in that amount of time? And if you're already good at drawing, if you spend too much time on ceramics, then you're not really maybe having time to improve the drawing. And you could have went from good to great in your drawing, but now you've just gone from bad to good in your ceramics and now you're kind of good at two things but you're not great at anything kind of like any video game or game of that sort where you have only a certain amount of points to distribute amongst attributes that's true and so you could load up one and be masterful or you could scatter them throughout and slowly build up to be expert you know so if we live for a million years we could become experts at everything (laughs) yeah But right now we live for 60, 70, 80 years, maybe 100. You're not going to become an expert at more than one or two things, probably. Right. So the first step, that kind of covers that, just figuring out what it is that you're interested in in that aspect. And then the next one is honing your craft. So now you've decided you're going to draw. That's what you're good at. You like drawing. So now you're figuring out how to hone that and get technically good at that. And I think at this point, you shouldn't even think about style. Oh, definitely not. You should just be trying to figure out how to draw. I think a big trick about finding your style is never thinking about it. Yeah. And only developing your craft and being aware of what you 
gravitate towards and what you like in a piece and why. And you'll naturally start to incorporate these things from all over the place. From everything you're sucking in like a sponge, you start to filter and it comes out. Yeah. And just trust the process. Absolutely. And I think with this part too, when you're honing your craft, you want to take different artists that you like and try to copy their work. Because in doing that, you're going to find out which type of work you're better at right? And don't worry that you're copying their work because that's not going to be your style in the end, like exactly what they're doing. You're just trying to figure out how they made their work. If any of those techniques they use are something that you're going to end up using in your final work. And so you should take a pretty good mixture of all different types of artists and try to copy their work and see what's working for you and what's not. Right. Because if you pick drawing as your interest that you want to hone, just saying drawing, I mean, there's so many different types of drawing. You can draw with pen and ink, you can draw with colored pencils, charcoal, you know. So once you've decided you want to draw, now you got to start using all the different tools and copying artists and figuring out which tools you're good at, and which techniques, you know. And then the tools themselves could sometimes lead you to the direction of your style, whether you like to work messy, whether you like to work real clean. It's like, I know I have a really shaky hand, so I can't use certain tools, or sometimes I'll use those tools purposely to get that shaky line. <laughs> And so it's all things you got to find out and experiment with. I always admire tattoo artists because when you look at tattoo art, the line work is usually really smooth and the tattoo machine, it vibrates. So just drawing a straight line, a straight smooth line with a pencil is hard. Right. But now you're doing it with this heavier machine that vibrates and it's permanent. <laughs> you know, you can't mess up. Like, right. I don't think I'd have the confidence to do that. It takes a lot of practice. Yeah, I'd just be so nervous. And then the more nervous you are, the more likely your line is going to be kind of a mess. Yeah. So you have to be pretty confident. Yeah. That's one type of art that I think would be really hard to get good at. Because with drawing, you can practice all you want on paper. It's just paper. But the first time you tattoo, you have to do it on. I mean, I knew they do practice on like fruit and stuff like that. But eventually you're going to have to step up to the plate and do it on somebody right i know that most of the time they tattoo on themselves the first yeah few. that's what i would do <laughs> i would be too i'd be too worried i actually have a tattoo on my leg that i did myself because my friend had a tattoo machine it's like a total mess <laughs> it's a small one but it's like the lines are so bad <laughs> i would never show i mean it's really high up yeah. even if i had shorts on you wouldn't see it it's pretty high yeah. up so i know that it's not easy to do straight lines because i was trying and <laughs> Of course, I had never touched a tattoo machine before. Yeah. So yeah, honing your craft, just figuring out what type of tools that you like, what type of techniques you're able to do. And not just doing it blindly either, I think. Throw up some tutorials online on YouTube. Start binging on that kind of content to really deep dive into how other people use these materials. Yeah. Sometimes just using a material blind is not going to cut it, most times. Sometimes it's hard to look at an artist's work and, okay, I'm going to copy it, but you don't maybe know the steps and the order they did it in. Right. And it can be hard to figure out how they did it in some cases. Not all cases, but some cases it can be hard to figure out the technique they use totally. to get it to look like it looks. Yeah, so do your research. Research is just as important in this stage, I think. If you can find artists on YouTube, which is actually pretty easy to do nowadays, that will give you like tutorials. Use that because 25 years ago, artists didn't have that. They just had to look at other people's art and figure it out. Oh, yeah. It's invaluable. It's how I learned most of what I know for animation. It's how I've learned how to do mold making and casting. So, yeah. Basic yeah, welding. YouTube is a... <laughs> <laughs> I've changed my toilet out. Like I got a new toilet all through YouTube. I don't know anything about plumbing, but I figured it out. Right. All my car fixes I've done myself. 
<laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you really can do almost yeah. anything by YouTube videos. I mean, I wouldn't do like your own dentistry, <laughs> but almost anything. <laughs> Although there probably are even stuff like that on YouTube, like how to pull a tooth <laughs> or whatever. So yeah, after the honing the craft one was honing your taste. And so the first one was honing your interest. This one's honing your taste. Yeah. Just by the sound of them, it sounds like they could overlap. But I think this one, the author of the article was talking about. So I think how I interpret it is, so let's say my interests are hand-drawn animation and or cartoons. Yeah. I don't like how every cartoon looks necessarily, but I could start picking and choosing what cartoons I like the most stylistically. And I think that's where taste lies. Yes, exactly. And you're the only person in the world that has your specific tastes, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of people that have some of the shows that you like that, that they also like. They're not going to have every single taste the same as you. So that makes you unique. It makes you authentic. And so you definitely want to take all of your tastes and somehow incorporate them into your work. That's where what you're doing at this point, you're honing those tastes. And so that's what I mean. Like these, it's not like these steps are, you do them in order because while you're honing your craft, you're also going to be honing your taste right it's not like and finding your interests. Yeah, yeah i can't even think about what i like until i've honed in on how to draw like that's just not how it works you're obviously going to be spending time like watching cartoons and doing things that you like you're always honing your taste yeah i think i'd put craft first but yeah honing your craft i'm talking about just discovering yeah. your tastes you're always doing that but then to try to incorporate them into your own work you're right you do want to hone your craft first because you don't want to start with a bad foundation right you yeah that's that's where that's what i mean by that yeah well, that's true because there's a lot of artists that they distort the human figure in all sorts of ways in their art but all of those artists that are good at doing that it's because they have a really good understanding of how the proportions of a human and they probably took anatomy drawing and figure drawing and they can draw very realistically if they have to yeah and you want to be able to do that before you start making all these weird distortions and because i can't tell you how many times people that don't know a lot about art like that's what we were saying in the beginning too like people that aren't artists generally appreciate realism more right and so i've heard people like see my work for instance and they don't really care for it because it's some of it's a little exaggerated or whatever and and so to them they just think i don't know how to draw right. you know i've actually heard people say that which is weird because i know i can draw realistically i have tons of drawings and sketchbooks that are realistic that's just not my taste right yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, people sometimes think I can't draw realistically too because I'm drawing goofy cartoons, but it's because I'm choosing not to. I'm yeah. choosing to draw it goofy. If you went to any art school, you have to learn how to draw fairly realistically, at least proportionally, you know, because you have to take a figure drawing class. I took anatomy drawing. Did you take that class? I don't think I took anatomy, no, but I did take several figure drawing classes. Yeah, the anatomy one was really, really in-depth because you drew muscles and bones and you learn probably way more than you even need to because mm -hmm. as an artist, figure drawing is probably enough. You just need to know what a person looks like to be able to draw them. You don't really need to know how they're made up, but knowing how they're made doesn't hurt. It can only help. Yeah, I agree. How muscles tie into other muscles and ligaments and stuff. So honing your taste. And I mean, we both have very different tastes, clearly, because it shows in our work. Right. But we also have things that overlap. We probably have a lot of stuff that we both enjoy. We probably both like The Simpsons and Futurama and stuff like that. Yeah. But then there's things you like that maybe I don't and vice versa. Right. And that's what makes our art unique because of that. Totally. So that's good. Honing your voice was the next one. And what this means is what's important to you. Right. 
Maybe you have values that are really important to you and you want those to be a part of your artwork. Okay. Maybe humor is the most important thing to you. Yeah, I was going to say humor is probably the biggest voice thing I could think of for my work. Yeah, and then there's obviously people that have very political work. I guess also when you think about voice, you have to think about your audience and who you're targeting. Who you're speaking to. Yeah, like if a lot of my work is very children's media oriented, I'm not going to draw things that are super crude all the time or like off color stuff how how do i say this no that's actually true keeping it cutesy fun lighthearted. you have to keep it g or pg rated at the most right that's interesting because i've always thought of it as if i make art that i love and that i would buy then other people are going to like it because i'm not that unique where i'm the only one that's going to like it so i've always thought That would work for all artists. Just make work you would love and you'll probably find a market. But if you're trying to make children's book art, you do have to think more about other people because you can't include things in that that, you know, are not appropriate for that age group. Right. Things I would say at a bar wouldn't be the same thing I would say in a book. Right. But you can still think about like, what did you like as a kid? Right. If you were young again, what would you like? So you exactly. can still kind of use that mindset right. of, you know, what would I like? You probably have favorite children's books when you were a kid and you know what they are still. Yeah, our activities I liked or things I did. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so that's a uh, voice. And everyone has a different voice, which is so cool. So when you combine your taste of, you know, the type of art you like and if it's loose or if it's really tight or, you know, if you're thinking about combining the voice in with that and now as your work going to be funny or your work going to be about morals or politics or whatever it's going to be about so because you could have two artists that draw in a very similar way but one of them the subject matter is dark and then the other one's subject matter is very lighthearted and humorous but the drawing styles is similar but now because of the subject matter and their voice you can still pick out which artist is which yeah. And there's a lot of artists. This is another thing that's hard too with style is people always think I have to have a style that is so unique. It's nothing like anybody else. You're never going to be so unique. You're not. You're always going to have a style and people are going to say to you, oh, that kind of reminds me of this other artist. It's right. just bound to happen. Right. Pure originality. I don't know if that's really a thing anymore. Yeah. It's hard to do. And I get compared to multiple. There's probably three or four artists that I hear a lot that people will say and I'm complimented because I like those artists and I'm happy that it's not just one artist over and over again because then it's like well maybe I'm too close to that one artist so the fact that I'm hearing a few different artists makes me happy but that's important to think about too right so you're subconsciously picking and choosing the things you love in the art that you see in order to translate that into who you are yeah and that follows a lot of these steps I think you're looking not only at your art but you're being influenced by your life by the things you do the things that are around you you're just mixing all these different elements into one ball yeah of style it's true it's kind of like a buffet and you're picking here and there and you just don't want to pick too many things from the same artist so if you love one specific artist figure out what it is about them that you like the most is it the way that they use line work is it their color palette and then just pick one or two at the most things from that artist that maybe you'd like to try to use in your own work and then find other artists and figure out what it is about them you like and if Mm. you can combine the same type of line work that this artist over here uses with a color palette from this other artist you like what ends up happening is your art becomes unique to itself because now you've just combined all these different people that you like in a unique way and it's not going to just happen overnight you're not going to like instantly combine these things and and it work you have to play You have to keep playing. You have to keep 
keep practicing, keep experimenting with materials, with technique and process, and you'll start to realize what falls into place for you over time. So just remember, keep going at it, keep practicing, keep pushing, and don't worry so much about finding a style. It'll find you. That's how it worked for me. I think my style just kind of fell into place. It's not set in stone either. So your style will change over time. Sometimes it will mold to the market or trends that are happening or different technologies that have been released. You'll find your voice in all these different ways and it will just keep morphing and changing. And don't resist that if your style starts changing. There's nothing wrong with that. And it doesn't make your earlier work less valid because now you don't work necessarily in that same style. I mean, you hear things like, oh, that looks like early Picasso or things like that because big artists usually do go through changes and their style can change up a little bit and you can maybe distinguish between their older work and their more recent work. Not changing is the scarier thing. And I think that's, we brought this up in the very beginning. I think you could get trapped with the excuse that, oh, this is just my style. This is just how I do it. So it's right. And to have that mindset, you're not giving yourself a growth mindset. So you have to remember that you can't use what you're quoting or what you're defining as a style can't use that as a crutch to keep you from moving forward through ability. Yeah, don't let that hold you back. But it does play into your style in some ways, like your abilities and your limitations definitely play in. But you're right that you don't want to use things like that as excuses to not try. Yeah, like I hate it when students are drawing in a very anime style and they're like, but it's my style. And that's their excuse for not following an assignment or not stepping outside of their comfort zone or their box. One, it's not their style because because I'm identifying you with someone else and millions of other artists and things. So that's one demerit in a lot of senses. Well, you're also dealing with 19-year-olds that are still so young. The fact that they think that they already have a set style, they should be able to recognize that they should still be developing a style. And they should be still trying to learn. And so when someone's telling them, someone that has a lot more experience in them is telling them something they shouldn't use that excuse yeah you don't have a style yeah you just have a crutch you have a way of drawing that doesn't mean it's a style if you are in art school and you're listening to this the way you're drawing right now is not going to be the way that you're drawing in five years after you get out of school it's just not unless you don't improve at all i guess if you just stop working on your art and just go do something else then maybe you're still be drawing in that same style and it could be influenced Right, you could still recognize your old work as being your work, but yeah, it's going to evolve. That's a good point. And it needs to evolve because that's what differentiates illustrators. I'm not so much in competition with you, Lewis, right? Even though we're both illustrators because clients will be coming to us for very different reasons. And it's because of a style, not because we're illustrators. So the work you get is going to be based on your style, not based on how, well, you usually when you're freelancing, not based on how good you mimic someone else. You're mostly competing with other people that have similar styles to you. If someone has like a style that's way outside of what you do, they're going to be totally different clients that are more likely to hire them. And so that's just how it is. I don't think too many children's book publishers would contact me to do a book whereas I think that they definitely would contact you. So it's just a different type of client, which is totally fine. Style is one of those things that you hear it all the time. Like, you know, you just got to let it happen, which is such a hard thing to hear because you want more guidance in that. And so I'm really glad that we did break these steps down because I think these steps are pretty helpful and it gives you something to kind of focus on. It does give some guidance. Yeah. 
instead of just the hippy dippy viewpoint of it'll find you and blah 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 but yeah it's nice and once you have a style like i can look back and kind of know which parts of my work come from where and when i kind of develop them and so it makes sense to me but like the process that i went through is not going to be the exact same process that you go through or other artists go through so it's not necessarily that helpful, but you know, I know the line work I do and which other artists I love that do similar line work. And then I use collage in my work. And that came from other artists that I love that use collage. And the color palette comes from certain artists I love that use a similar color. So it's just picking, like we talked about, picking it here and there from different places and things that you love and putting it together. And then it becomes something that's unique to you. Have you ever had a client come to you mm-hmm. and say like we really love this piece that you did 10 years ago can we do something like this for this project no not like 10 years ago really? A significant style change ago. It's happened, yeah. I do like when I have a client that sends me two or three of my own pieces and says, these are my favorite pieces you've done. So if you can do something similar to these, that I would be happy because now I have like even more focused in. And I always ask them too, like, well, what is it about those pieces that you like? Tyler, the creator was someone that actually did that. He sent me like six or seven pieces of mine that he liked. And he was very specific. He was like, I love the blue this little splash of blue you used in here. I would love it if you could use that. You know, so he was so helpful in a way because he's telling me exactly what he likes about the pieces. And now I know how to make him happy. Right. You could envision it a little better or have a closer shared vision. But that can happen to artists. It's happened to me before where sometimes I felt like, oh, that's going to be tricky. I forget how I did that. Or, okay, but can I make it better? Yeah. <laughs> You know, like you've grown so much and you're trying to then step backwards to get to a similar feel. Sometimes difficult. It must be in a way frustrating. I mean, obviously when someone's telling you, when you do this, like this piece that's 10 years old, you don't really work in that style anymore. And it makes you feel like they don't appreciate your, your growth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like they can't maybe tell that the work you're doing now is better than that. I don't know. That is frustrating. But that's just because some people just don't understand art as much. And sometimes the project needs that kind of work rather than the new kind of stuff. So That happens to artists, which is kind of why you want to keep your website as fresh as possible. Yeah, that's what people are going to want. So if you have a piece up there and that's the piece they choose that they want it to look like, then that's kind of on you for having that piece up there. Unless they looked on your social media because, you know, it could have been something you posted years ago. And it's not like you go back and erase all those posts. I wouldn't recommend doing that. I think social media is cool because your website is your portfolio. You put all your best work, but your social media, you should be able to put sketches and in-progress work and things like that. (laughs) But yeah, some of my work I'll draw out and then I'll scan it onto my iPad and I'll add some background color on the iPad. And I've had people want commissions for that they want to hang in their house, but they want it done in that style with that same color. And I tell them like that was done, that background color was done digitally. So like, I'm not going to be able to do an original with that color, have that same exact look. Mm -hmm. And so I've definitely had that happen to me a couple times where they wanted an original piece, but they wanted it done in a way that I only know how to do digitally. 
And so that doesn't work. I've had clients asking for custom original stuff, but because the work is digital and what they want is digital, I'm just giving them a one of a kind print. That's definitely an option. And I always offer that when people ask, mm -hmm. but most of the time, if they're paying for an original, I've had a couple people that have said, yeah, I'll take the print, assigned print then. But I always feel like I have to charge them a little less. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't charge it less. I still view that as an original. And if you just make it a one of one thing, that's where the honor comes out of it. Yeah, you're not printing. Or you give them the option option to charge less to give you the option to make more prints to make up for that difference and maybe make way more money than you could have off of one sale. So I think if you're upfront about that. Yeah, yeah. if you think you can make prints and, and you think you have a good chance of selling prints of it, then that's another option too, for sure. One client, I sent the original drawing and then I also sent him a print of it with the color added. So he has the original and he has the version with the color added. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And I think he framed them together, actually. He sent me a picture. It looks kind of cool like that because people could kind of see the process a little bit, I guess. Mm -hmm. And the only difference was really just like a slight difference in like the outfit the guy was wearing. I added like a texture that I did digitally and then the background color. Yeah. I don't know what well, we kind of got off track a little bit. But yeah, that does happen where people ask for maybe things that in a style that you used to work in but you haven't in a little while and you have to kind of go back and figure that out. Yeah, but to wrap it up, don't worry about style too much and follow these guidelines. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep pushing. Style will fall into place. Don't think about it too hard. And I know that's hard to hear when you're desperate to develop your style. Before we wrap up, until you've developed your style, it's hard to start building a portfolio yeah. because you know you want a portfolio of work that's in the same style. So when people hire you, they know what they're going to get. And so that's why illustrators, if you're in, maybe you're a major and you're, you've only got a year left, it's like if you haven't developed your style by then, you're starting to worry you're going to graduate and you don't even have a portfolio and so I get it like you just want to get to the point and so but just don't worry because it's going to come to you it's going to happen and the portfolio you have or right now is going to be different than it is next year and the year after and that's fine your style will develop and change and it's cool that that happens yeah trust how you naturally draw. So we'd love to hear from you about what you thought about this podcast in particular and how you developed your style or if you have any questions about what we talked about. You can message us through social media or you can email us at thumbnailpodcast at gmail.com. And we both have Etsy shops. Etsy sales. Yeah. Yeah. And we have a coupon code, which is just thumbnail. Yeah. 25% off anything in either of our Etsy shops. And I'm adding some shirts and stuff, extra more shirts to my Etsy shop that I'm going to be using Printful to fulfill the orders. So they'll be printed on demand, which is good for me because I don't have to have like a huge inventory. So there's going to be new designs going up. So definitely check those out. And I'm going to be uploading hopefully soon some functional sculpture work. So keep an eye out for that. Oh, that's awesome. Like the toothbrush holder, you were, the alligator toothbrush holder you were working on? Yeah, and I got a porcupine pencil holder and some candle holders slash air plant holders. Perfect for Etsy because people are always looking for handcrafted things that are also functional. Yeah. So those are great Etsy items. Yeah, they're fun. They're cute. So keep an eye out. Yeah, have a good one, guys. Thanks for stopping by. Take care.